Hey, Mark, how are you today? I'm great, and how about yourself? Doing well, thanks. Um, good. Thanks so much for um, joining me today and kind of putting some time aside to have this conversation. I'm looking forward to learning a little bit more about um, some of the challenges that you guys are facing. But before we begin, maybe you can just do a quick introduction of yourself and um, Downtown Young BIA and kind of what your mandate has been so far as an organization, what you do for the area, um, and then we can kind of go from there. Okay, so my name is Mark Garner. I'm the Chief Operating Officer of the Downtown Young Business Improvement Area. Our area of stewardship is basically from Richmond Street to Grosner Street, which is a couple of blocks north of Carleton and College. Uh, we manage the area from Bay Street over to uh, Church. And uh, basically, we are a business improvement area. We're responsible for maintaining municipal lands. Uh, our area responsibility does a lot of event planning. We approve uh, a lot of the development that comes into the area. We have a public realm strategy, laneway strategy. Uh, we have a music strategy. Again, trying to make sure that downtown Young is a vibrant and great neighborhood to live, work, play, learn, and shop. Yeah, that's and you, and you guys also do um, a certain level of uh, research and um, kind of analytics reporting, I guess, on, on some of the activity in the area as well. Is that right? Yeah, we're one of, one of the only BIAs in Toronto that has uh, street monitors, which basically is monitoring all the pedestrian counts and the vehicle counts, uh, both, you know, active transportation and, and cars. Uh, you know, on an annual basis, uh, our neighborhood would see anywhere from 42 to 45 million people that walk north and south on Young Street. Uh, the Eaton Centre would manage up to 50, 55 million people on an annual basis. We're the busiest intersection in Canada, uh, if not one of the busiest intersections in uh, North America. Young and Dundas at peak periods will see upwards of 238,000 people cross that intersection in one day. Wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, there's, you know, again, to your point or your question was, uh, I'm lucky enough to have an economic development department within our organization, and we do a lot of statistical analysis. I happen to be uh, a bit of a data geek myself, uh, but also have an economic background. Uh, so we use data as the empirical evidence based on the decisions we need to make for the membership, the neighborhood, and all the, whether it's, uh, you know, activations, uh, managing just the experiential, mm -hmm. but also advocating on behalf of the neighborhood. Yeah, that's fascinating. So um, you must have seen, obviously, some huge changes in the area right now with some of the social distancing policies that are going in place. Like, how is this all affecting your organization, but also just that area of Toronto, which is kind of a, a, a national um, landmark, really? Well, I, as I would say to you, the same way my grandparents used to talk about the Depression, you're about to tell your grandchildren about this moment in time in history. Uh, I was able to uh, be in Toronto during the time of SARS. Uh, I don't think we could have anticipated the situation that we're in right now. And I think that's the struggle for all organizations, not just BIAs, but the city, uh, you name an entity or a sector that is not impacted by this. We're having to think uh, outside the box. I say there is no more box. Uh, we've got to sort of follow where this leads us. Uh, so the you know overall economic impact on the neighborhood has been substantial because, again, as the number one retail destination and tourist destination in Toronto, all of a sudden uh, you know that foot traffic that 42 million a year, and uh, you know with our street monitors we've seen the drop off and how significant it was 
And when we compile that data, it's going to be an interesting story to tell to uh, not only uh, Torontonians, but obviously to, you know, the city in the sort of the recovery phase that's going to be coming out of this. It has been a dramatic change. Uh, you know, when you see Young Street as a ghost town and very few people on the street, it's, it's shocking. Yeah. So, uh, you know, generational thing. This is something that uh, we have never seen and I hope we never see again, but we're all learning, uh, you know, what we need to do differently when it comes to trying to manage these areas and how we keep the economics going. Yeah, so what are, what are some of the areas that you're kind of exploring? Like how do you continue representing an area that is not, there's no retail, I guess, happening there right now? Yeah, the only thing, if you look at the hospitality industry in general, yeah. that is the hardest hit. No yeah. hotels, no restaurants. If you were lucky enough to have a restaurant that had a takeout or pickup uh, service already in place, then you're making some money right now. It's not what you're used to, but at least it allows you to keep some people employed and generate some economics. If you were a sit-down restaurant and didn't have takeout, well, then you've either had to try and figure out, am I going to open and provide a takeout service or am I just going to close it? Again, with those different, that varying type of, you know, retail entity and restaurants, uh, how do you manage the quality of a steak that you get from a steakhouse if you order it medium rare and then skip the dishes by the time it gets to you, it's medium well. Yeah. So I think yeah. there's an evolution of the sector as well around that. But it has been very dramatic. It's, um, you know, what we're doing to support our members is anybody that's open in the restaurants, uh, we're encouraging, you know, the neighborhood associations, reaching out to people that we know in the area to ensure that they're ordering meals. Um, we do a lot of marketing and advertising around that. But I think one of the, the biggest lessons through all of this has been the, the amount of information we're all getting. When COVID-19, when we all started working at home, I was getting updates from my insurance company, the Arts Association, you know, an endless list. And we made a very conscious decision as, a, as an organization to only communicate uh, information to our membership from very reliable sources. So we do an e-blast uh, weekly, sometimes bi-weekly, depending on the content. So it's not every Monday you get it. It's when content or information that you should be aware of. Uh, so that's how we're trying to, because everybody's just get inundated. What do you read? Yeah, and you, you start to realize how many mailing lists you're on that you didn't know about before. <laughs> yeah, and true enough, I'm off a bunch of mailing lists pretty quickly. It's, it's yeah, all this. Yeah. Because your inbox, you can't manage your inbox and all the information you're getting. So how are you going to engage? So, and that's another lesson we're learning from all this. You know, in a normal world, uh, yeah, I want to be connected to arts and culture as a key driver, economic driver for the downtown young neighborhood. But right now, um, you know, I've had to pick and choose. So I'm, you know, working with the Canadian Live Music Association to understand what's happening with festivals and events, uh, because that's part of our significant uh, portfolio as well. Yeah, that's an interesting space too, because a lot of that is, I've been seeing a lot of experimenting with kind of transitioning festivals and events online and trying to run online festivals and just using the digital space a little bit more during this time when everyone's kind of stuck at home, really. Yeah, and I think that's a key point. I, I, I think it's very good based on, I don't think we've ever, there's, you know, there's work at home ethics and a lot of people do work at home. 
but when you're, you know, we are a street-based organization. We're out with members, we're in the street every day, knocking on doors, saying hi to people. And now to be forced to do that remotely, knowing that our members are getting inundated themselves with phone calls, trying to get online to submit for the, you know, various funding. So we've had to sort of rethink how we reach out to our members or how do we specifically go after certain sectors each week. Yeah, that comment you made about, um, you know, how do you communicate, I think has been a common theme that I'm hearing as well, because it, it just changes the way you communicate, not only in your strategies when it comes to mailing lists and communicating about COVID-19, but also, you know, what's appropriate from a sales standpoint in, point in terms of communication, what's appropriate in advertising, what's appropriate in marketing. Um, people have had to kind of pull even just the images that they're using in huge marketing campaigns that have already been committed to because it just doesn't apply anymore in, in the current, you know, the current new normal. No, and, and that's the thing. What is the new norm? I think it's still um, evolving, but I would say I've been inundated by marketing companies uh, over the last three to four weeks of, oh, you need to be doing this. Oh, you should be marketing this way. You know, again, it's, you know, how is it evolving? Everybody wants to be sort of the expert or define the solution. You know, the entrepreneurial spirit is alive and well, and there's people that want to be that entity, that savior. Um, so where, again, it's like, it's like social media. Do I need to be in Twitter? Do I need to be on Facebook? Do I need to be on Instagram? You know, do I need to diversify so, um, you know, so broadly, mm -hmm. but not have the depth that I need? So I, do I have to be on all these different platforms? You've seen Tourism Toronto come out with some, uh, so the to go, so it's listing of all the restaurants that are open in Toronto that you can get, uh, pick up, take out, or uh, you know, to your house. So do we need to be there? There's other ones that are coming out daily now. How do we encourage our members of what ones they need to be on? And do you need to be on everything? Because you don't know which one's going to be the success. Yeah. So has your kind of functional strategy turned more towards monitoring and communicating with your um, stakeholders in your, in your kind of region? Because I, I would assume that like the experiential stuff is probably, it's either shifting online or it's not happening for the time being. Right. Um, so kind of how has the business shifted for you? Well, I think we're trying to find our ground, our lane to, to be in. And as I say, we took a very confident, uh, you know, conscious decision very quickly in all of this is to be that convener communicator to our members, uh, make sure that they're getting sound information that they should be a part of. So we've gone to this communications uh, side in a more digital way than we have in the past. Mm -hmm. Like I said, doing the e-blast right now, it's, you know, Whatever non-essential businesses are closed, there's really not much I can do as an organization. So how do we support them? How do we ensure, you know, have you submitted for your government funding, your provincial funding, your municipal funding? Uh, we're obviously advocating at a very high level. We've been part of the uh, Mayor's Economic Impact uh, Task Force, uh, have a lot of meetings with, uh, you know, the City of Toronto. Uh, but also a lot of us, the core BIAs, the big six BIAs in downtown that are about 72 to 75 percent of the overall commercial tax base for Toronto are meeting once a week. I meet with uh, BIAs uh, across an organization called IDA Canada. So I'm talking to people in Vancouver. 
uh, all the way to Charlottetown on what they're seeing and, and what everybody's trying to, uh, to do, how to support their members and, and sort of where are we going next. I think for us, the key is really starting to drive the recovery, what happens when we come out of this uh, and sort of bridge where we are now to where we need to be. Because right now everybody's in what I would refer to as crisis management. The mayor's office, the city officials are just trying to keep the city functioning on a day-to-day -day basis. We need to step forward as organizations and start looking further afield as to what do we need to do? Where are we gonna spend the very first dollar? When we get a dollar, where do we spend it? And what is that sort of cascading um, you know, priorities that we need to have? What do you think uh, the future looks like your area? And that's a good question. I mean, I had an interview this morning with City TV and they asked me oh, the cool. same thing. Uh, the quick answer is, who knows? Yeah. yeah. You know, right now we're all speculating as to what it could be. So you can do, I would say, when you start to see the calculations and you start to figure out, I think traditional retail will evolve again. I think the way people behave when we do have the opportunity to convene again either in restaurants or public spaces, how do we do that? Uh, I think that's gonna change. I'm hearing from you know, the music sector, festivals and events that you, know, you may not be able to bring 15,000 people into a confined space again. So that's gonna change. So really, who knows? It's, it's, you're just sort of taking it all in now and saying and dusting off what you know, I had mentioned SARS earlier, I was around for that. So I know what that was for the city of Toronto, but that was very focused to the city of Toronto against the world. Mm -hmm. You know, we had to market to get people to come back to Toronto. So there was hotel specials, restaurant specials, and theater specials. But this COVID-19 is something that we've never dealt with before. And we're up against the world to then market, how do we bring Toronto back? So I think we've got to change our mindset and whatever we've done in the past, I'd say dust off and look at, but we need to be creative as to what is the change in sectors? You know, I'm not because I'm responsible for uh, a lot of downtown businesses and, and advocate for them and, and work for them. But I've, I've become a very online savvy purchaser now, which is, you know, this might be part of the norm for me now. It's how am I getting food in the house? Um, so who knows what that evolution is? I would put out there that I think one of the biggest changes and the fact that you and I are able to communicate versus what we used to do is I would meet with you and your team on a specific project, but now communicating with somebody that I normally wouldn't have communication with. And it's showing me that I can work from home more. And I think this is one of the things that we should put on the radar is commercial space in downtowns there's going to be a lot of vacancy because I may have 15,000 square feet that I'm leasing currently, but if half of my workforce gets the opportunity from work from home, then I don't need that much space. So I'm expecting we're going to see an evolution in retail. I think, you know, sit down restaurants are going to evolve. There was a, a I would say a significant saturation of restaurants in Toronto. So you're going to see the calling of those non-stable businesses or products that were not 100%. Uh, I expect we're going to see some high street retail uh, vacancy increases in the very short term, but I think we're going to see commercial 
uh, real estate uh, vacancy rates increase as well. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think that's been a common thread amongst a lot of the discussions I've been having as well is just kind of reevaluating what that commercial space looks like. It doesn't have to be, you know, not everyone doesn't have to be in the office. It could be transitioning to more of like a hoteling setup with collaborative workspaces and people can kind of have their own home offices as well. It's just kind of interesting that um, these have been topics that we've been taught as a, as a society we've been talking about for so long. And um, this scenario we're in right now has just kind of put the gas on mm -hmm. uh, having to actually action a lot of that stuff and transition over to these new strategies and um, the level of speed that, we're moving in terms of new strategies, new implementations, new experiments. It's just like, it's unbelievable. Right. Well, I think one of the recent stats, I may not quote it correctly, but I, what I heard today, there was a, over a million people that have applied for EI. And the last time the record was in 2008, 2009, uh, but it was only a couple of hundred thousand people that applied for EI. So even when we get back to post COVID and this recovery phase, you may be going through this with your company. Uh, I would expect your company is a tech company because I think there's going to be a lot of people coming saying, I now know I need to be online. I need to provide different service online. Uh, what I'm sensing is you're just not going to be able to flip the switch and a million people are going to be back working full time again. Yeah. We may have to divide the workforce and people work part time to get everybody back gradually until this all these sectors recover and the economics recover. So you might wind up working where you're laid off now, but you might get a two day, three day a week to share because, you know, just in downtown Toronto, there's a, a restaurant link uh, because that culinary sector has been very vocal. Um, 69,000 people in downtown Toronto alone, uh, you know, Oliver and Bonaccini laid off 1,900 people. You know, the small independent uh, would lay off maybe 35, 40 people. So, and there's these mom and pa restaurants that have laid off 10. Well, mm -hmm. you're not gonna be able to get them all back right away. So I think that is what I see as part of this bridge. I speak about this bridge to recovery is that we're gonna have to look at how we employ people again to gradually ramp up. Yeah, I think, um... I wonder if part of that is going to be extending some of the government benefit programs that they have to help. I mean, I think, I think a lot of those programs are much needed and I think a lot of those programs are going to be really useful in helping to bridge that gap because at least it'll help to keep employment at a certain level, even within organizations where they might have needed to lay people off. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if there's just, if there's going to be an extended, program in order to get us back to that level where we, people can start being hired again on a on kind of a part-time basis. And the quick answer is, unless we all stay home and flatten this curve, then the anticipated date to get back and start doing, uh, getting back to sort of, you know, reality of mm. post COVID or, or prior to COVID, um, we'll have to look at these programs uh, for extensions. However, where do we keep thinking this money's coming from? Yeah. And that was, yeah. I think if you saw the Toronto star article in regards to, you know, uh, the city of Toronto, COVID-19 is costing the city of Toronto $65 million a week, just to stay operational. $65 million a week. Wow. Just wow. to keep it operational. So there is a relief fund 
of about $739 million, where it comes from a combination of, you know, 2019 uh, surpluses that they didn't spend, monies that were in uh, the 2020 budget, um, and other sources, investments, et cetera. But that, that number of 739 million at 65 million a week, we have till June 1st until the money is gone. The municipalities got to go to the province, they got to go to the federal government for ask for additional cash. Well, we keep thinking there's this magic big pot of cash and it, I don't think it's necessarily there. Uh, when you look at another statistic that's staggering, so you understand the state that the city, the, the, the state that the city of Toronto is in, every week, just on land transfer tax alone, the city would normally get $14 million a week. No sales of houses have gone through, so they've lost $14 million from land transfer tax. They're losing TTC revenue. So there's bigger issues when you start to see where the, the money that keeps this city running, where it's come from, and the economic impacts of all those things. Yeah, and assuming that, you know, we kind of start flattening the curve and coming out of this by June, you know, the, the real serious impact on that side won't be felt as much. But what happens if, you know, this goes into July, August, what happens down the road if with all this debt that the government yeah and again you know as we continue to advocate is you know we've heard the some of the financial institutions say you know i'll give you nine months reprieve but we'll tack it on the end right yeah there's been a lot of advocacy work done to reduce the credit card uh interest rates those things are there but yeah to to your point is where does this end up when we come out of this and again, you're starting to hear language. So I'm, I tend to be very close now to the language that I hear from the prime minister or the premier or even Mayor Tory. You hear about the word surge. So the worst is not here yet. Mm -hmm. We're about to have a surge. That's why April is so critical that everybody stays home. So the surge doesn't impact us to the way that it could be uh, impacting us. But you're also hearing about a second wave and third wave now. So that when we come out of this, if we start to go back to festivals and events, we're going to get another wave that, yeah. you know, and recontaminate again. So, you know, to look at it realistically, we could be in for a very long haul of working from home. Those are the things that are, that you haven't thought about or you're not thinking about, right? Because yeah. it's, everybody's so hopeful. I had, you know, even on my own team, when I said, we're going to start working from home and everybody is like, well, okay, I can probably do it for a couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, well, no, it could be, you know, you could be into June working from home. So you find out pretty quickly the state of your home office. I was just the about back, to say the, the same thing, yeah. The, the backdrops that you have in your house, right? Like I've got a bunkered office in the basement, but when I come up for podcasts and things like that, or panel discussions, it's in varying different places in my house. Oh yeah, the so, lighting, the desk, yeah. your, like your yeah. chair that you have, you realize what, you know, you haven't invested in a good home office very quickly. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and then if you have more than one person home, it's like, okay, well, you know, now you need more than one office space, potentially. How do you coexist? Yeah, yeah, that's an you know? interesting yeah. challenge. Um, yeah, I think, um, I mean, what kind of concerns me is the long-term economic impact um 
especially like you said if we start draining um all the kind of emergency funds that are being used it's like you know what happens with all that debt how does the how does the province recover that and i would assume it's through taxes and other sort of things that would be you know revised down the road if, if need be is that kind of you mentioned the task force that you're part of what are these kind of this kind of things that you guys are discussing and planning around and or is it may is it mainly around uh business relief programs and stuff like that no, I, I think it's, you know, being asked to be part of the mayor's economic impact task force was, it's sort of an immediate response. And, and yeah. that's where I say everybody's in sort of crisis management. But there's, you know, there's the immediate this month and next month, then what do you do month three and month four? But then we're the, the group that I'm convening now or trying to be a part of is where are we post COVID? Uh, so that while the mayor is dealing with all this specific issues right now in the crisis situation, when he comes out of this, he's got a report that says, this is where I need to spend money next. Mm -hmm. Where do you spend that first dollar? Now we are, uh, you know, just to go back to, I think one of your comments earlier was, um, we're a tax-based organization. We tax our membership. That's the way we exist. And what we've had to do as an organization is start to think, well, what if I don't tax my members for a year, for two years, for three years, to help them to recover as well. Because mm -hmm. we know as an organization, we're gonna have to put a lot of, we gotta spend our way out of this. That's the, the shortest term answer on it. But you know, I've had to do the analysis and I've had to look at what do I have in the bank currently and how long if I didn't get another drop of dollars from the members in the city, how long would I survive? And the answer is two years. I've got two years in the current form to run our organization doing the same services we are today. Mm -hmm. So you've had to start to look, how would we have to evolve? Do we go back to just a traditional beautification, BIA, doing festivals and events and marketing uh, and get out of the advocacy and some of the bigger projects we're working on for a period of time until the economics stabilize? Yeah. I think it behooves mm -hmm. us all to, you know, and I'm glad that you're doing these interviews across the sectors because everybody's got to start looking at things differently because we've never experienced this monumental situation we're all confronted with. Yeah, and I think step one for a lot of organizations has been to figure out how, you know, how much cash flow or assets they have to sustain themselves over the next who knows how long. What's the worst case scenario, right? Well, I, again, it's a, it's a good example. There's a lot of conversations. Well, you know, we should be advocating for people to purchase um, gift cards for our restaurants. And I don't disagree, but right now, any of the people in the neighborhood, we don't know their own circumstances and situations. And I'm sure they're just trying to find a way to pay their rent and feed their family, much less, hey, get a steak from yeah. company A or do this, right? So we're trying to figure out how we invest whatever dollars we have more effectively and efficiently. Uh, you know, all the events and festivals that we normally would have done up until June we obviously have that money, so do we spend it now and start to stimulate something? Mm -hmm. But you almost wanna know that you're gonna come out of it so that you have the largest pot of dollars to be able to spend and really make an impact. Yeah, what would you do to, to stimulate some uh, activity this early in the state, in that state anyways, when people are at home? Would it be more around marketing and just like trying to remind people to 
basically support that area or um, is it you run online events? Like how do you stimulate that kind of activity? And that's, and again, don't have the answer. So again, yeah. there's so many people out there doing things. Which is the one thing? You know, tourism to go. It's good for, you know, my small independent uh, retail that have takeout. So we're in there with our small independent takeout. Now with sit-down restaurants that don't have takeout, how do I work with them? Uh, mm -hmm. You're seeing things like, you know, uh, Wednesdays uh, starting uh, next week is going to be uh, share lunch together, you know. Everybody is going to be able to watch, you know, Jim Cuddy uh, perform and we're going to do takeout lunches. So us that, you know, may still have money coming in should be still doing or creating that behavior, supporting those things. I think you're going to see uh, crowdfunding initiatives come forward yeah. to help save your favorite restaurant. Those things will be there. But again, what I say, what is the amount of money truly needed? Providing a restaurant that their lease is 15000 a month and you're able to generate 2000 a month, is that going to help them at this moment in time? So the answer is don't know, but you've got to look at all these other options to try and figure out what could happen and what could not happen. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, analytical uh, analysis that needs to go it's, on there. It is analytics. Really think, yeah, I really didn't think about that challenge. You know, if someone's got a 15000 a month lease, if you're generating you know, not, you know, if 25% of that is that money well spent for that, you know, or could it be put towards something that drives more change with it, more change and more activity within the area? Yeah. And that, that is the challenge, right? I, mm -hmm. I've had other BIAs that we're looking at, you know, they have, you know, they get a percentage of green pea parking as part of their downtown, small downtown urban environment, and they want to dip into those funds now. And then the question is, well, you know, how much are you going to provide an individual member? A every member is going to get $1,000. Well, it really doesn't do much with somebody, as we just talked about, that has a $7,000 a month or a $15,000 a month lease. It, it's just delaying the inevitable. So how do you work with the building owners and business owners to be able to figure that out? And then from that point, then figure out, do you spend now or do we spend during the bridging phase or do we save it all for when we come out of the post COVID situation and spend as much money as we can? Yeah. And I don't know that there's no, I don't know if there's a right or a wrong answer other than trying to stay engaged, follow the data, follow the data of what public health is telling us uh, in regards to when we can convene. And then I think what's going to change for BIAs and just the community in general is you're not going to convene the way you used to convene. You're not going to put 8,000 people on Young Dundas Square anymore. We're going to have to do smaller events, 200 to 500 people. We're going to have to keep this, you know, the, the social distancing. You're going to have to have a new set of requirements with hand sanitization, all sorts of different things that you don't even know is coming to you yet. But yeah. that's, that's the world we're about to face. I think it's also going to be a really interesting opportunity to expand some of those physical experiences online as well. So you're kind of increasing the audience by also including the online communities as well. Like, I mean, we're seeing quite a bit of that now, but um, I think, like you said before, as an individual, there are going to be a lot of personal ch uh, changes that become permanent in your life. And one of them is probably going to be, um, entertainment and kind of connecting with communities online instead of going in person and in addition to that that's probably going to be the new normal as we're not going to be 
congregating in huge amounts of groups of people. So I think well, no, I think I think that's a big thing. I I know I believe Rebecca on my team is in discussion with you guys because I wanted to have an entire revised online presence, and the way I never imagined. Yeah. I want to put all my walking tours online. I want to produce content on a weekly, bi-weekly basis uh, because the biggest fear is you're going to have to go out and rediscover your neighborhood again. So I want to get ahead of that curve now, uh, work with you guys to be able to develop new product, new content, and then disseminate it in different ways that we never considered before based on this time with COVID-19 and this working from home or self-isolation. It's allow us to sort of discover the, the digital world in a different way. Yeah. And it's interesting yeah. to see what people are doing. You know, I've got a friend, Greg Godovitz, that's doing, you know, the 2020 tour of Scarborough. Uh, and he's, you know, he talks about an album or a place that he played, uh, which is great. So you're staying connected to the music sector and what's, what was sort of legacy venues in Scarborough. Uh, we're talking about doing our walking tours. We're reaching out to you guys because I want to produce podcast or content. I think one of the things we wanted to do is then through our restaurants to support the, the hospitality and culinary sector is we want to do interviews. I want to interview Alan Liu from Salad King to understand his family's legacy and the importance of Salad King to Young Street. And then through that, and sent people to purchase from him that day, whoever yeah. can afford it. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah, all of this is really exciting stuff. Like I, I think across the board, it's really, it's really pushed that balance of you know physical versus digital way more towards the digital side, which is really making people think out of the box and kind of reevaluate what you can do and how you can bridge together all these different communities on and offline. And I think it's super exciting and um it's gonna be an interesting change when we're kind of out of self-isolation but it'll be really interesting to see how you bridge the digital and physical because i think there's even more opportunity when you have a certain number of people in a physical place and you're also leveraging those audiences to expand the experience online as well it's just like such an amazing combination no, it's true. And, and uh, if you haven't bought Apple stock, buy Apple stock. Because who survives through all of this is all the technology companies. Yeah, I totally agree. Because that is going to be the boom. That'll be, st that'll be the biggest part of the economic recovery from this is technology. Yeah, and, and, and security uh, as well. And security, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, I, th I think that was great. I know um, you're you're a busy guy. You've got a lot of stuff going on, um, and I don't want to take up too much of your time. But I, I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think there's a lot of really exciting things going on. I think you have a super interesting perspective based on the role that you're in, and I think that a lot of people will find this conversation useful and, and super interesting. So, thank you again. Not a problem. And uh, thanks to the team. I know I'm pushing. I've got a call with Rebecca right after uh, you and I d uh, finish our chat. And uh, I'm coming to tennis to be able to figure out, uh, you know, how are you going to help me get out of this? And I think there's an opportunity and I want to sort of stimulate that economy now to yeah. get further ahead in this digital world we're living in now and start producing content on a very quick basis. So 
Yeah, we're yeah, really excited. We've been talking about it already, and I know there's a couple things that are kind of in the works right now. So yeah, we're really excited to get involved. And I'm glad that you're doing this series and talking across the sectors. It's uh, good for you and good for the team for doing this. I think it's, again, it's a part of the uh, conversation that people need to have. Totally. And this is what I say is the new world of digital and media and because it allows people to stimulate thought and, and get back to the creativity that we need to to be able to get ourselves out of this. Exactly. And I think, um, you know, the, the positive out of all of this is that there is a lot of creativity going on and there's a lot of experimentation and there's a lot of um, solutioning and ideation around all these different challenges. And I think originally, I just thought that it would be really good for a lot of people to hear all these ideas because um, it, yeah. it, as, as negative as, you know, the situation that we are in is, there is also a lot of positive happening and there's a lot of really interesting changes and a lot of positive changes, I think. So um, that was just kind of the idea behind running into things like this. As, as my grandparents used to say to me, and this will be a tagline that you use as well, this too shall pass. Exactly. And we'll all get through this phase, what that new norm is going to be. Just open your imagination because we're about to create a different existence. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks Have for the time. Day. Cheers. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.